I fear that we are better at preparing for Christmas than we are actually celebrating it. I know some of you have put up decorations over the past several weeks, um, and I have watched, even in our neighborhood, that it has gathered a momentum. I think that Lowe's has done particularly well with their inflatables this year. They... They must have sold a lot of those because, as I have watched, uh, more and more of these have appeared uh, in our neighborhood particularly. It's interesting, though, that as uh, we now reach these days of of post-Christmas, what we consider to be post-Christmas, there are these sadly deflated nylon piles out in the front yard, you know, these little puddles of nylon that were once these expressions of joy uh, that were there. Uh, We don't keep, we even though we sing about the 12 days of Christmas, we don't really keep those 12 12 days of Christmas, not most of us. Uh, The idea of beginning celebrations on Christmas Day and ending on January the 6th, the epiphany of our Lord, we do not generally in our minds keep those 12 days of Christmas. Now, there are exceptions to this. I knew a couple when we were living in Macon um, who were very precious, and I went to visit them once in February, and their Christmas tree was still up in the den. And I said, I said, uh, you are still celebrating Christmas. And she said, we keep it up through March. And I thought I would never meet another person that would keep a Christmas tree up that long until I met Anita Wiggins. Um, And uh, Anita could teach us all how to keep Christmas because I dare say that there are corners of her house that are decorated year round. Am I not right? A little bit. <laughs> she, she, she has such a beautiful sense of the importance of keeping Christmas. Um, you know that, that we receive this word Emmanuel from the scriptures in several locations. And the meaning of the word is God with us. God with us. It brings to my mind several quotes I share with you three quotes that sort of mark my Christmas celebration. The first quote is from a 14th century theologian and mystic, a part of the Dominican order, his name, Meister Eckert. And it is this that he says, we are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. Think on that one for a while. We are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. What a powerful idea it is that we have to participate with God. You remember Mary was asked to participate, and at the Annunciation, as Gabriel came and shared with her the news that she would bear this child, Her response to that, as recorded in the first chapter of Luke, was what we call the Magnificat. And she simply says from the depths of her being, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit exalts in God my Savior for he has looked with mercy on my lowliness and my name shall be forever exalted 
For the mighty God has done great things for us. How is it with your soul? How are you preserving Christmas even now? It may be that you have moved past that and put away the decorations even, stored up, but do not store away the celebration of Christmas and the welcoming of God into the world. It is critical that we realize that as we participate in the celebration of Christmas, we birth God once again. Each day we have the opportunity. Howard Thurman, professor, theologian, mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. He was a remarkable man who really infused into Martin Luther King this theology of radical nonviolence, which is, is a gift not only to the world, but in particular to the United States of America for the transitions that we went through in the 1960s could have been far, far more like the French Revolution than uh, they turned out to be. Howard Thurman says this of this particular season. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princesses are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. While the Apostle Paul never said a word about Christmas in all of his writings, you check me on this, I never did find a single reference to it In fact, it's interesting that the gospel writers themselves, it's only Matthew and Luke that are making reference to this story. But the apostle Paul, as well as Mark and as well as John, were all referencing God's coming into the world and our preserving his very nature. You remember the story of the apostle Paul on that road to Damascus? And he was struck down by this light the very presence of God with him. Why are you persecuting me? And Paul's question was so revealing, who are you, Lord? And in that transformational setting, the Spirit worked within him to not only know God, but to preserve who God is in every day. I have a feeling that in this letter, he was not only writing toward the recipients that would read it in its cycle through the early church, but Paul was writing to himself. In the first chapter, the 15th verse, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him All things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. And in the second chapter, the sixth verse, listen to what he says. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. 
Now, I know that you think to yourself, he's writing to that early community at Colossae. But can you imagine that in Paul's putting pen to paper, that he was writing almost journalistically so that he himself would be the reminded. He would be saying to himself, as you or as I therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. You know how critical this is. This is the preserving of Christmas in us. It is only we who think that Christmas is gone for whom Christmas is gone. God is with us. God is with us. And in this passage of scripture, it is so clear what we're supposed to do in these days. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Do those things that are of God and Christmas will be preserved in you. Bear with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And here at the end of this passage, he goes on to say, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How does this change life for us? What does it mean for us to say, God is with us? What does that mean for us as a community, but individually I'm asking you to think about this. What does it mean for you to say that God is with us? I went on a little tour of the Cathedral of the Annunciation up in Atlanta. It is a Greek Orthodox congregation that meets in that beautiful building and our tour guide was one of the priests associated with that church. At the end, he asked, were there any questions? And I was thinking to myself, how is it that they receive communion here in this place? Because I know that different churches receive communion in different ways. And so I asked that question, how do you receive communion and he said to me, he said, well, he said, the congregants come forward. He said, before they do, though, we take some of the bread, some of the little wafers, and we take the chalice and we crumble the wafers into the wine that is in the chalice. And he said, when the congregants come forward, we use a little spoon and they know that their instruction is to tilt their heads back like birds and to open their mouths. And we take this little spoon and dip it into the mixture. At that point, it's a mixture. They dip it into the mixture and put a very small amount into the mouth of the congregants as they approach the front. We're not doing that this morning, by the way. <laughs> but, but what is so incredible, of course, my eyes my eyes immediately began to think, okay, so, ah. And I realized that there in the dome of that cathedral was this 60-foot spance of 
Jesus, this icon. And so, and he said, you get it, don't you? He said, when they tilt their heads back to receive, they're staring directly into the eyes of Jesus, the one who is with us in this place. What powerful reminders you and I need. A few years back, there was a fad that was going on among youth groups especially, but a number of adults also adopted it to wear little plastic bracelets that were carrying the initials WWJD. And it almost has become something that is overused now to the point that people will leave them at home for fear of being stylized in a certain way. But those words, what would Jesus do that those initials represent? It's not a bad question to ask unless you, I suppose, are presumptuous to think that you alone are the one that could discern what Jesus might do in any situation. I think it's a very good question for the community to ask and to be in dialogue about. I was speaking with our youth minister recently, Jared Simonon, and he was saying that that um, they had brought this up in, in youth. And uh, one of the questions that came to mind was, what would Jesus drive? And of course, everybody knows that Jesus would be driving a Prius, right? Probably right now, you know, a hybrid vehicle, something that is world uh, sensitive, you know, that has, I'm just joking with you here. Everybody, everybody knows <laughs> that, uh, that God would be driving, though, probably the car that we're driving, right? This is the way that we think. You ask somebody that drives a Harley, you know, that rides on a Harley, surely Jesus must have been on a Harley, you know, if he had been in our day and age, or if you're driving a pickup truck, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, Jesus is a pickup kind of guy, you know? And, uh, and so that's where it gets dangerous and it, it can become obsessive. But the, the question itself is so good. What would Jesus do? Because we need to be cradling the idea of who Christ is in our community. It is when we lose that sensitivity to Christ being among us that we begin to not live as Christ would live. Do everything, everything, Paul says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And don't you know that Mary and Joseph were the first to begin to discover what this meant for every ounce of who they were was set upon preserving this Christ child who had been entrusted to them. Anne Weems shared a beautiful poem that she entitled Unexpected. Even now, we simply do not expect to find a deity in a stable Somehow the setting is all wrong, the swaddling clothes too plain, the manger too common for the likes of a savior, the straw inelegant, the animals reeking and noisy, the whole scene too ordinary for our taste, and the cast of characters is no better, with the possible exception of the kings who among them, who among them is fit for this night, the shepherds certainly too crude, the carpenter too rough, the girl too young, and the baby, whoever expected a baby, 
Whoever expected the advent of God in a helpless child had the Messiah arrived in the blazing light of the glory of a legion of angels wielding golden swords, the whole world could have been conquered for Christ right then and there. And we in the church, to say nothing of the world, wouldn't have so much trouble today. Even now, we simply do not expect to face the world armed with love. We are to live into Christ and to allow Christ to live into us. Wilma Roberts, who worked just a few years back for the General Board of Global Ministries, our mission sending agency for the denomination, went to Brazil on assignment to an impoverished community there. She said that she was there during the season of Advent and Christmas and attended worship, which was a children's program, at a very, very small sanctuary. She said uh, those that were a part of the congregation had filled the interior of the sanctuary. The windows were open, and she said it was interesting that as she sat there, she realized that there were all of these faces of family members that could not get into the sanctuary for want to be a part of the congregation and it being full. And so there were faces in all of the windows as the parents and the relatives listened in on what the children had prepared. And there, it was the simplest of decorations. They had very little in terms of resources to put up to decorate for that event. They had in fact fashioned a star out of tinfoil. It may be that you remember doing that as a child. They had taken tinfoil and fashioned it. And in fact, they had rigged it so that right in the middle, they had put a 40 watt bulb. And of course, the glow of that bulb uh, fed out into the congregation and everyone looked at that one decoration that was so impressive in that room. Jesus, the part of Jesus was played by a four month old child who had been born to a congregational member. Jesus had an important part to play, but he did not know that. And so in order to keep Jesus calmed, Jesus was passed from one person to the next throughout the children's Christmas program. Of course, first Mary had him and then Joseph, but um, as a part of this service, as was the case in this location, the electricity was alternately on and off all through the evening, as uh, was the case. And every time the lights came back on, someone new had Jesus in their arms, Mary and Joseph, and then on to the shepherds and the wise men were passing this little Jesus amidst them. Until finally, near the end of the program, a loud voice shouted out in Portuguese, Unto you is born this night. And then in time and in sequence, other voices of the children and the youth that were present began to ask the questions, who will care for this child? And another loud voice, he is yours. Another loud voice, 
He needs your love. Another loud voice. He needs a home. And finally, in great chorus, all of them shouted, Who will care for Jesus? And the program was over. Emmanuel, God with us. Who will care for Jesus? May Christmas be preserved throughout the year, and we who seek to define our lives by calling ourselves Christian.